This is a Federal News Network podcast. Okay, federal contractors, listen up. Presuming you can keep your company alive until the other end of the tunnel we're in, can you actually prosper? For some advice on navigating the next few months, we turn to the CEO of Innovation Advisors, BMNT, Pete Newell. Pete, good to have you back. Thank you. Briefly tell us about your own company, the consultancy. You don't have offices or regular hours or any of that kind of accoutrement, so you're pretty agile even in a situation like this. I think that, you know, we embrace the concept of of entrepreneurs, folks who need to get out of the building to engage people and learn things. So while we do have offices in, in Palo Alto and D.C. and London, the vast majority of folks can never be found in those offices. So BMT for seven years now has really worked in a distributed manner with people accustomed to working off of Slack and on phones and on Zoom and Google Chat. So all that's kind of a natural act course. We don't have a set schedule for people. And so kind of the transition to this environment was pretty easy for us. Our folks are actually working harder now than than they were before because they're engaged with so many different types of people. And you have written pretty extensively about how companies, federal contractors, can stay alive in this. What are the top strategies for just basic survival? I mean, without the revenue, it's pretty hard. Truly, the longer this crisis goes on, the more debilitating it is for small companies, particularly contractors who have lots of uh, downstream issues as payments are delayed or contracts are delayed and they can't close things. And it's just, it's hard. I think first and foremost, the first bit of advice I give to any CEO of any company of any size is you, you can't wait to make hard decisions, nor can you make decisions by committee. This is in crisis. This is your job as a CEO is to know the cold hard facts about your company and, and actually make hard decisions. And then beyond that, yeah, you know, there's there's lots of you know individual things that folks ought to focus on. Like first, keeping the company alive and taking care of your people because you want to have a company at the end of this. Sure, and in some ways, your army experience seems to inform this type of approach. At some point, somebody's got to make a decision and go with it. And sometimes the lack of a decision is worse than no decision, sounds like. Sometimes that's true. And I think that you actually had this conversation with somebody the other day about the difference in wartime decision-making and peacetime decision-making. You know, peacetime, there was time to to meet with the staff and get a staff assessment and, you know, come up with a consensus and, and work through things. And in times of crisis, in the middle of a fight, you had to make um, cold, hard, fast decisions based on the facts as you knew them. And you needed to be comfortable making those decisions because at those point, not making a decision, you know, was a decision. And that that could very well cause the loss of somebody's life because you've, you've just pushed the decision downstream. And sure. sometimes it's okay, but, but in many cases it's not. And I guess one of the emerging facts in this whole thing is this $2 trillion bill that Congress passed and the president signed. And turns out there's a lot of contracting opportunity in there. So maybe this is the time for some serious homework. Yeah, it really is. So I'll take the dichotomy because it, it's not going to happen tomorrow. But there is this great promise of, you know, the, the $2.2 trillion 
package that was just signed, and, and now they're negotiating number four, which is supposed to be focused on infrastructure. So if you can survive long enough and you have the ability to still do work, there are opportunities out there for you to do things. At the same time, and in particular we're finding, is our current clients have a very new normal that they weren't expecting and in many cases weren't prepared for. And they are desperately searching for the ability to continue the missions and keep up with their, their, their functions. And in that space, there is also opportunity to re-image yourself and provide different sets of tools, but to continue to be you know, incredibly value-added to your current sets of clients or others around them. We're speaking with Pete Newell. He is chief executive of consultancy BMNT. And let's talk about companies that make stuff for a moment, some of the big federal contractors, the established ones, our manufacturers, some startups start up to make things. What about the idea of repurposing the manufacturing capacity you have for what might be needed for the government? Does it have to be Ford and General Motors that make ventilators or B-24s in the case of World War II? Or can smaller manufacturers have the agility to switch what they make to capitalize on what's going on? You know, I it's a great it's a great discussion. And, you know, not too long ago, in a classroom someplace, we got into a discussion about whether or not the United States had the capacity to do today what it had done at the beginning of World War II, which was completely change manufacturing lines to mass produce things for a defense effort. And so it was interesting to see over the past, you know, couple of weeks how we, you know, this. The, the first folks who started making things were those folks with 3D printers and folks at home, and there were designs out there. And, and like, there was this mass movement of folks who had access at the, at the I said, home level and at the startup level who had the ability to make things who suddenly changed what they were doing. You know, this great story, uh, Carbon, which is a, a 3D uh, printer manufacturer, you know, based in... California, who, you know, looked at lots of different things they could have done and, and decided that the one thing they could do the best, the fastest was uh, to print face shields for medical people. And, and without anybody asking and without, you know, any national effort to do it, they just started doing it. And they connected with a network of, of manufacturing folks who were uh, who just known each other for years and had come together and were trying to figure out who had capacity to do what. And then suddenly that connected with uh, folks with a defense and logistics agency and Oak Ridge National Lab and the advanced manufacturing folks who suddenly created a pipeline of capacity. To take that, which, which didn't exist back in World War II, and now couple that with you know the president's um, an action of the Defense Production Act, and basically looking at major manufacturing and said, you, you will. You will produce medically required stuff. And, and in between that are folks like Bloom uh, and Tesla and, and other companies who have these really ingenious people inside the companies who looked at the needs and said, you know, for Bloom, it was send us your broken ventilators and we'll fix them. To Tesla, who rebuilt their manufacturing line, to GM and Ford, who had workers come back and, and completely rebuild manufacturing lines. So, you know, this was a really interesting test of the premise that, you know, maybe we do have the capacity that we did back in World War II, but it, it's, it's now very different. That, that if you do make things, 
and have the agility and the entrepreneurial spirit that change what you do, there, there's an immediate need today to, to fill holes in things. And is there anything that companies, whether on the manufacturing or services side, can do to maybe shake contracting officers that might be crawling into their shells in the crisis or agency program managers into also thinking a little bit more creatively in the interests of the greater need that the country has? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, one, there's, there's a certain bucket that says um, if you have ideas or thoughts or the capacity to help deal with the COVID crisis, and it's not just medical equipment, but it's supply chain management. If you're watching New York City, um, one of their biggest issues is just moving supplies to where they needed to be. And so so the, the lots of ancillary things that as this becomes a, a pandemic across the United States, that things change, whether it's, it's managing, you know, access to grocery stores or, or helping the el- elderly get, you know, critical uh, items of food or medicine and other things. There's so many things that will be needed to be done, and there aren't companies today that necessarily do them, or there aren't enough companies that do them. And, and in that space, you know, there is an opportunity to work closely with your program managers and other folks who may may or may not have a direct role in those things, but they probably know somebody who does. But but now is a great time is to produce those ideas and build the networks and and see if you can't find an opportunity like that. Pete Newell is Chief Executive of Consultancy BMNT. As always, thanks for joining me. Thank you. We'll post this interview along with a link to his article at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, Always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.